Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Daddy's back. Fox Sports Radio. Wow. 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 Oh, who decided to let uh, VisitLasVegas.com present this show? It's like Jason Stewart and I, the only Charger fans in the history of national sports radio. And this show is brought to you by, with the exception of last night's conclusion of the Chargers season, our favorite city, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Plan your trip today at VisitLasVegas.com. Wow, 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 wow. Yes, we have hirings and firings and Black Monday to discuss. Yes. Yes, apparently I'm in a Twitter fight with somebody who says I was he was asked to be on my show, and yet I believe he hasn't been on my show because I don't want him on my show for the exact reason I called him out on Twitter. Yes, the Lakers continue to be an abject disaster, whether or not you realized or not. Yes, we had Sean McVay avoid any sort of criticism in Matt Stafford because of what happened with the other L.A. teams Later at night. Oh, yeah. And by the way, by the way, we have a national championship game tonight, which the team that has favored, I believe, in our hearts, no one actually thinks is going to win. Where you guys want to start? Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this, and I'm going to make Jason Stewart's life a little bit harder. Okay, Jason Stewart's produ- producer of the show, John Ramos, who... Um, I mean, he's he's not as sullen as Charger fans are. He's a Rams fan. They lost, but still in the playoffs and won the division, even though they didn't win the game uh, yesterday. Uh, he can he's he's got all the sound lined up on last night's game. And of course, you have the voice of reason who you hear on Sundays, who I, I'm he's like the only kind of neutral party in this thing, which is Dan Beyer, who, of course, he has this podcast. I want your flex dude knows so much about football. He watches and broadcasts all those games on a Sunday here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm going to give out the phone number. Now, I don't know if I'm working in or not, but I'm at least offer up the possibility because I believe, this is me, that there are certain games, certain events, which they're so big and there's so many parts to it. They're worthy of other angles that I may not have seen or whatever. And so, um, is it, Eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox is that the number? Eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox. That's it. What are the actual numbers for ninety nine on Fox? What's what's the nine nine six six three six nine? Wait wait nine nine six. So, so eight seven seven nine nine on Fox. Nine no, but, you, oh, yeah. but don't do the on Fox. Okay, people don't look at the letters anymore. Okay, be right nine okay, nine six. Yeah nine six six three six nine. Six three six nine. Okay, nine nine six six three six nine. Okay, that's good. That's easy to remember. Eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. If you want to do the spell out thing, eight seven seven nine nine on Fox. You can also uh, uh, tweet me at Gottlieb Show. You can hit me on IG at Gottlieb Show. Any of these messages get through. That we also have a Facebook page. You can message me there. Uh, that's the Doug Gottlieb Show. There you go. I will respond to most social media stuff. Other than you suck. Your whatever, whatever, whatever. Just if it's about sports, like we'll talk about it. Okay. So th- this is funny. 
Jason Stewart's the producer. He writes on my screen, and Jason, you can tell me if I'm wrong, Chargers lost to the Raiders. That That's okay. correct. Okay. Now, Bayer, you are, again, neutral party in this thing. Mm-hmm. Didn't the Raiders win the game? Like, isn't that? I mean, I, I, and I don't think that it's he's in the media sensational, but it, it's a he's a very we become Chargers centric. You're a Charger fan guy. Chargers lost to the Raiders, and maybe that's the story. But isn't it the Raiders beat the Chargers? Would how would how, how, when you when you think of the game last night? Do you think the Chargers lost or the Raiders won? I would say that the Raiders won. I would, I would tend to agree. Tend to agree. Okay. But it does feel like the Chargers lost, and the way in which the Chargers lost is very similar for so many of us who well, I have watched the Chargers a great deal, not just in previous seasons, but this season specifically, right? When you really needed to stop the run, they couldn't stop the run. And as much as I love Brandon Staley and the fact, if you guys remember, he was on our show the day he got the job. You guys remember this? He was on our show the day we got the job. And the day he got the job was like two days after Matt LaFleur uh, decided to kick a field goal on fourth down instead of go for it. Everybody recall this. Like all the guys in the show are sitting there going like, that's right. He did say that. And what did he say? He said he would go. He would have gone for it. Absolutely. And a, a man of his words, with the exception of at the end of regulation, and I'll explain why I think he didn't go for it when they, when they could have tied the game or could have won the game on one play at the end of regulation. No one has ever gone for it as much as Brandon Staley went for it. But going for it in, you know, uh, when you're in the other team's red area, right? Or they at the 19 yard line, fourth and two in the first half, and he goes for it. Like, that's some stuff I do on Madden when my son's kicking my tail early in the game, and I'm like, I can't get three, four scores behind. I got to find a way to get this first down. But everyone is talking about this controversial timeout that he called. And I'm, again, I'm going to credit Dan Beyer because he was completely reasonable in posting the actual photo of the alignment of the Raiders. And I remember a movie. I remember a movie. So this cuts, does cut Beyer out of the conversation. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know. But, it, but Ramos, that brings you in. And Jay Stu, I think it'll bring you in. Ramos, have you ever seen Cool Hand Luke? I have seen bits and pieces of Cool Hand Luke. I cannot say I've seen the entire movie from beginning to end. Jay Stu, have you seen Cool Hand Luke? Um, I've seen it once, but by no means am I quoting that movie. I'm not familiar there's, with the there's one. There's one line, which is probably the most famous line in the movie. You guys know the, the line? Yeah, that, that line is... Um, now it's... Uh, a, a fa- there's a failure to communicate. Ah! Right? Hey, hey, that's what we got. All right, Johnny. What we have here is a failure to communicate. Okay, so look, I am I am not one of these guys that takes to Twitter and crushes Chris Collinsworth. I actually think Collinsworth is really, really good. Really, really good at his craft. Um, if anything, probably there's there's, I don't think he's as good at what he does as what Joe Buck does, but part of it is like, I don't, I, I, I don't, there's people that give Joe, Joe Buck's awesome at his job. He's a great broadcaster. Like I, but there are, if you go on social media, everybody hates Joe Buck, right? And Collinsworth, everybody hates Collinsworth, but there are parts to Collinsworth's game, which he has, he has some blind spots for, right? He owns part of PFF, 
right? That's actually his baby pro football focus, right? So there is an over-reliance on those numbers, which I think takes him away from what he's actually analyzing on the field. But there's also for a guy who is very, very bright, was a very good player and is an excellent broadcaster. You know, the way in which we judge things and view things, we, we use this term analytics. Analytics is nothing more than advanced statistical data, which they've had previously now only as a more prominent part of the game. I just think there's some blind spots in what is actually taking place. And it's hard. I'll also point out that it's hard. Having, I have never done a game of that magnitude. I have done high-level NCAA tournament games. And, you know, like I used to watch them at home going, why don't people do this, that, and the other thing? Some of it is your marching order. Some of it is you got promos. Some of it is there's almost so much time. You know, I, I have, I'm, I'm a great friend of uh, Dan Orlovsky. I consider a really good friend. Dan Orlovsky did uh, the Fiesta Bowl. And when I was watching, I was like, man, no one breaks down a play better than Dan Orlovsky calling these games right now. But you can't actually break down every play Right, you have to every once in a while do it. There's a magic to it. But I, I Collinsworth wasn't great on the the timeout because he was so caught up in the idea of a tie. Take a listen to what he said with Al Michaels discussing 38 seconds to go. Okay, uh, third down and short. I think it was third and four for the Raiders in overtime. And the Chargers call a timeout with four seconds on the play. Third and four. Now what? Chargers take a timeout. Los Angeles takes its first timeout. This will be a 30-second timeout. Mm. What? I think the Raiders were playing to get it down to either a field goal or just let the clock run out, and the Chargers took the timeout. Okay, help me out here. Why, why, when you're in plus territory, when you're at home in the National Football League, and right now, be, right at that point, it'd be a 57-yard field goal. Why would they take a knee to just tie the game instead of kicking a field goal? I mean, it's the idea of maybe a blocked field goal, right? A blocked field goal returned or maybe a kick six, right? Which is what happened to Alabama Auburn, the difference is, okay, Carlson had never missed a field goal at Allegiant. The difference is you're playing indoors, which any kicker will tell you gives greater life on the football, right? There's the, when, there's, when there's no elements, there's really good elements for kicking. Case in point, Justin Tucker, the longest field goal in NFL history, that was in the Dome in Detroit. But, but why? I, I don't even un- understand. It was... Again, this is knowing the clock and the score. If you noticed, the timeout was called under 40 seconds. Why? 40-second play clock. Meaning that the the Chargers knew the Raiders are going to run one more play, probably try and run the football, run the football. And if they get the first down, great. If they don't get the first down, either way, they're going to kick a field goal when the clock, clock expires. And they either win it or they tie it. And either way, they go to the playoffs. The idea of taking a knee, the idea of taking a knee doesn't seem plausible. Here's Brandon Staley on the reason he called a timeout. We needed to get into the right grouping. We felt like they were going to run the ball, so we wanted to get our best 11 personnel run defense in, um, make that substitution so that we could, you know, get a play where we would deepen the field goal. Okay. 
So, so that's what they did, right? They took out their middle linebacker and they put in their best run stuffing 337 pound defensive lineman. It didn't work. It actually backfired. And the Raiders not only got 10 yards and got to a 47 yard field goal, but then kicked the field goal and won the game. Um, but here's where the failure to communicate is like, again, I, I don't know exactly what Collinsworth was, was looking at that. He would have thought the Raiders, they were, they were in shotgun formation. Were they not buyer? I mean, you pointed that out and every, you know, right. They were, when Staley called the timeout, yes, they were in shotgun formation out of the timeout. Uh, Derek Carr went under center, but yeah, prior to the timeout, they were in shotgun. Okay, so so how would he have come upon the idea that they're just going to take a knee? No idea. I don't either. He simply made it up. He made it up. Okay? So, so here's where the failure to communicate is. I've worked with Michelle Tafoya who's, I think that's her last game, or are they doing, are they doing, they have the Super Bowl this year, right? So she'll do the Super Bowl, and then she'll be out. Yeah, I, th- I believe that's the case. Michelle, a very talented woman, and she's incredibly nice, incredibly nice. But what she did was, and this is what really good sideline reporters do, is they take what they're hearing in the booth, and then they ask the question to the player right afterwards. The problem is, one, Derek Hart didn't really answer the question, and two, the way in which I thought the question, take a listen to, to the question. This thing could have ended in a tie. Chargers call a timeout. How did that shift the strategy? Yeah, it definitely did, obviously. But we knew no matter what, we didn't want to tie. We wanted to win the football game. Obviously, if you tie, you're in, and all, I think all those things. But my mindset all day, I even was texting with Aaron Rodgers this morning. My mindset was to make sure that we were the only team moving on after this. Kind of impressive Derek Carr, right? When, when he did not even listen really to the question and then said something and then said the exact opposite, right? And then he throws in, hey, I happened to text with Aaron Rodgers earlier this morning. That, that, that part was interesting. Because the way in which I believe the question should have been asked was, when the Chargers called a timeout, what were you thinking? Okay. What did any and then you follow up with did anything change in terms of your play call or if he says the mindset change? What do you mean? Because he actually said, hey, the whole time we're trying to win the game. First, he said, yeah, I definitely did. Then he said, no, it actually didn't. We wanted to win the game. We didn't want to end in a tie. There's a failure to communicate there. And it's because she said this game could have ended in a tie, which and both could have gone to the playoffs. What, you know, or why do you think the Chargers called timeout? Here's Rich Passaccia, the victorious head coach. At what point would you have decided to just play for the tie and not try a field goal? You know, we had conversations about it the whole, you know, towards that end there. But if you remember, we ran the ball early. They didn't call a timeout. So we thought probably they're doing the same thing. So we thought if we can have a run in there that probably possibly could get us in field goal position to win it, we were going to do that. And that's what we did. So would you have punted if if you hadn't got that big run? I don't know. Didn't happen. (laughs) Why would they have punted? Who, who thought punting? Who are the these people asking these questions? It was a very, by the way, a very well asked first question, but the second, it's not punted. Would you have let the clock run out instead of an attempting a 57 yard field goal? That's the better question. Bayer, am I losing my mind? But th- like this, there's a whole discussion about something that was never really on the table. I, I, 
there are a lot of people who watch football that I respected their opinions, and now I'm coming into question because of how they blew this out of proportion. They're just they're, the the play call that they were going to run on third and four did not change. I don't think before or after the timeout, maybe the formation did, but. They were just going to hand the ball off, and whatever happens, happens. And they just happened to get 10 yards, and now at a 47-yard field goal, as opposed to a 57 or 58-yarder. Correct. And I believe, and this is my belief, and I don't know if anybody asked, but I believe they were going to run to the left side because Carlson wanted the ball at the left hash mark. Because if you remember, the previous field goal he made was from the right hash mark, and it, I mean, you want to talk about barely getting in, it got in by the thinnest of possible mm-hmm. margins, right? So I, I, I think that's, and of course he nailed it, and he kicked a beautiful ball, and it went in, and they won the game, whatever. Okay, so just, just so we're, no one ever thought, but here's why. Like this is what, uh, and this is why I think Collinsworth caught, caught up in it. Right? Because the whole day was blah, 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 unless the Chargers and the Raiders tie, which all of us who watch football are like, come on, come on, right? And then they're down 15 and the Chargers score. And I was surprised they went for two in the first score, right? But they did and they got it. Now you're like, Oh, hold on. This could end in a tie. And of all of the games played the entire year, one ended in a tie, right? We had one that was bizarrely, and obviously Steelers and Ravens, and there was the thought of a, of a tie. But of all of the games, that's what, that's what we thought. But um, I, this was, it was amazing that here we are, the final game of the regular season, two teams playing for one spot or maybe two spots, a rivalry. The Raiders, of course, who used to be in L.A., are the most popular team in L.A., playing against their their rival, who now occupies their city, in Las Vegas, where everybody's gambling on everything forever. In this brand new, like, it, everything, like, no possible way this thing ends up in a tie. And it damn well could have. He misses that field goal and ends in a tie. But I, I think Collinsworth screwed the whole thing up. Because they were surprised by a timeout. Why would you call a timeout? Because you want to get a different personnel grouping in. You didn't like what you saw. I mean, it appears obvious. If you're trying to stop the clock, well, then you would have stopped the clock early on, you know, before it gets under 40 seconds, or you would have stopped it. You would have called timeout earlier in the drive. You didn't. I just, we, we've created a controversy out of a controversy, and it's taken away from so many other parts of the game which we'll get to, like, how could Brandon Staley go for it in his own 18-yard line? I mean, how, how do you do that? And, damn, Justin Herbert's the truth. And kind of imp- continue to be impressed by Derek Carr. And how in the hell are the Raiders in the playoffs? Did, did, did the late great John Madden have something to do with that? That, that feels like it. Because otherwise, there's no possible explanation for that team with everything they've been through finding a way to... They they eliminated two teams from the playoffs in the last two weeks. Colts last week and Chargers in similar unbelievable fashion. There's so much to talk about in that one game. Going forward on fourth down. Derek Carr, Herbert. Okay. Apparently, we have completely changed how they officiate in terms of pass interference. Remember when we were kids, and any time a DB would grab a wide receiver's arm, it was pass interference? Now that's no longer called, unless the DB runs into the wide receiver or brushes the wide receiver, and the wide receiver throws up his arms, and then it, like, it's totally, the officiating's totally changed. There, there's a multitude of levels to it. 
but what a game. And, and the Raiders won. They were ready to play. They got the lead early. They were sharp. They were better on special teams, and, 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 and they won. But there's a, lot, there's, there's a skewing of the numbers on fourth down. There's the devastation that lost, which I, I think carries over. There's, there's so many different parts to it. All right, we'll get to that upcoming, but we got a lot more to get to. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Dante Whitner joins us. They call him Dante Hittner. He's a great player out of the Ohio State University. Of course, a first-round pick, top 10 pick of the Buffalo Bills, and he joins us on Fox Sports Radio. Of course, covers the Niners for a living. I want to get to the Niners' comeback win over the Rams. Um, and I want to get to the game last night, which everybody is talking about. First, though, Dante, considering your time in Buffalo, to go from what it was like when you were there to now, I try to point out, like people forget, they hadn't made the playoffs in 17 years. They made up four out of the last five years. As a former Bill, what's it like to see that sort of change uh, in Buffalo? Well, it's incredible to see them win there. Um, I know how hard it was being a top 10 pick, trying to come in, change the culture, planning a a cold environment, um, it was tough. Uh, I don't think that we ever took the field expecting to win games. I think we had an outdated philosophy on defense, but we were still trying to make that Tampa 2 system work. And, you know, we got caught up against Randy Moss and Tom Brady in their prime, and it was tough for us. So to see the changes that they made now, the offense that they've been able to display, the guys that are happy to be there in Buffalo, playing in Buffalo, uh, Diggs and Jordan Poyer, Josh Allen, they're, they're incredibly proud to be Buffalo Bills. And then, you know, Bills Mafia is incredible. Uh, when they're winning, there's no other fan base that's better than the Bills Mafia. So it's, it's inc- I'm incredibly proud to see what they're doing and the turnaround that they made in Buffalo. Uh, How did the Niners come back and win that game yesterday? Well, just a little self-belief, locked in, focused, took it one play at a time. I think that that three points before half was key. Um, but the 49ers understand what their identity is. It's a run-first football team. And the Los Angeles Rams, they made an emphasis on setting the edge, playing physical, and out physical in the bigger 49ers. Um, coming out of halftime, they went on 10 straight play drive where, you know, they ran the ball every time, tossed it to Debo on the, on the 11th, and he threw it in for a touchdown. And that shifted the momentum in the game. That's how they did it. This is a game of ups and downs. The 49ers got hot at the right time. They had key plays on third down from defense alignment. And, you know, they were able to turn some of those turnovers into points. And they knew it. And I call them Tommy Turnover. That's what I call Matthew Stafford. Um, You know, it it was easy to turn the ball over in Detroit, but it's not so easy to turn it over when you're playing for a team with championship aspirations. Um, The 49ers have their number six in a row. Uh, Okay, so let's get to the game last night. I just – before I, I, I ask more, more kind of pointed questions, as a guy who's a star player in this league, covers the league, if I say Raiders, Chargers, what jumps out to you? Uh, same division. Um, history of the Oakland Raiders. Not so much the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, so that jumps out to me first and foremost, just the history of the Raiders. Okay. What about the game last night? Oh, the game last night, it, yeah. was, uh, it was a great game. I think that the NFL did a, a, a great thing by extending the season for one game and adding a playoff team. It makes it exciting all the way down to the wire. Usually these teams that are 8-7, and 8-5, and five, 
you know, nine and seven. They're pretty much packing their bags in U-Hauls and get ready for the off season. So first, I would like to say that the NFL did a great job of making it exciting all the way down to Week 18. And then last night's game was just a shootout. It was reminiscent of the 49ers game yesterday. Um, two teams that had aspirations, championship aspirations, two top quarterbacks operating at top levels. And, you know, every play matters. Every second matters. And it's a game of inches. And that's what it showed you last night. As far as the timeout um, and them actually being willing to settle for a tie, I think that that's the way it should have ended. I don't think you ever want a divisional foe to make the playoffs. They know your DNA. They see you twice a year. You might have to meet them and see them in the playoffs. So I think it was a good job of kicking the field goal and sending them packing, allowing the Steelers to get in. Uh, let, let's, let, let's go to the, the first half. The Chargers go for it, fourth and two on their own 18-yard line. You ever seen that before anywhere other than Madden? I've never seen that before. I don't understand the thinking behind that. Um, conventional wisdom tell you to punt the ball in that situation. Um, you know, but, you know, nowadays in the NFL, you have head coaches that are willing to go for it in any situation. I saw something else in the New York Giants running the ball from a wing T triple option formation on like third and 12 in backed up area. So, you know, it's just a microcosm of their season. And I guess this is uh, the same for the Chargers. Uh, okay, so so in terms of the timeout, like Brandon Staley is like, look, we we just want to get our best, you know, defense for uh, for eleven personnel on the field to stop the run, right? That, that's that, that's what he said. Do you think the Raiders? I mean, it felt like to me the Raiders are going to run the football, and if they got the first down, they whatever they wherever they got stopped, they were going to kick a field goal from wherever they got stopped. Did you think they were playing playing to take a knee and not kick the field goal? I think they were playing to let the clock run out, um, and I have to believe that everything that their coaching staff says and the players. Um, but when you call the timeout, it's almost like, okay, so are you trying to get the ball back? Are you trying to send us packing? Um, so I understand both sides, but you know, my thinking behind that is you have to always put a divisional foe out. There's no sympathy rules, um, and, and that could come back to bite you if you settle for that uh, tie in that situation. So I, I'm all with it. Um, but I did. I do think that they were going to settle for the tie. Right. Let, let me play for you. Let me play for you a little bit of sound here. You, you tell me what you what, what you hear. Okay. Here's here's uh, Rich Bisaccia. Okay. Asked about it. Now, the the follow up asked about a punt didn't make any sense. But t- take a listen to what he has to say. At what point would you have decided to just play for the tie and not try a field goal? You know, we had conversations about it the whole you know towards that end there. But if you remember, we ran the ball early. They didn't call a timeout. So. We thought probably they're doing the same thing. So we thought if we could have a run in there that probably possibly could get us in field goal position to win it, we were going to do that, and that's what we did. So would you have punted if, if you hadn't got that big run? I don't know. didn't happen. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know. Why would a punt come up? Like 57 yards in the NFL in a dome, everybody tries that. I, I, didn't, I didn't hear anybody say they were going to let the clock run out. I, once they got into plus territory, now you're playing for a field goal, right? Yeah, now they're playing for a field goal, but then it goes on the onus on the L.A. Chargers defense and linebackers who underperformed all year long. In that situation, four-minute situation, you have to buckle up, be in your gaps, play discipline, play with leverage, um, and be physical. And, you know, they let the team down. That long run right there probably cost them an opportunity to go to the playoffs. So if the players do what they're supposed to do, it's not even up to the coaches in that situation. They're probably, uh, you know, in that game in a tie. So, you know, when you leave it up to the coaches, when you leave it up to the referees, it, it probably is not going to go in your direction. 
Um, you know, so I'll I, I put the onus strictly on the players when it comes to that. Play better, stop the run, um, and you, you're probably in the playoffs. What, what do you think of Brian Flores losing his job today? I think there's just a difference of uh, philosophies between Brian Flores and the GM. I think he's been there, what, 20 years? Um, you know, he's had some success with the Miami Dolphins. And remember, before he got there, they were in the dumps. Um, so I see that he is in a new coaching cycle this year, and people recognize his value, recognize what he can bring to a team. And there's a bunch of teams out there that need a culture change. And uh, primarily when you're a head coach, you're going in to fix the culture. You're going in to fix the locker room. And then the football falls into place. And he's been a leader of man. He's shown that he can do that. Um, you know, sometimes in business, sometimes in life, things don't always go your direction. But the next door is probably the best door for him. Uh, you know, so they just wish each other well. They separate um, in an amicable way. And, uh, you know, best of luck to Brian Flores and best of luck to the Miami Dolphins organization. Let's circle back to the Niners, okay? Dante Hitner, Dante Whitner joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. You cover, you know the Niners like the back of your hand. Um, I thought Garoppolo played really, really well there. Um, and we've, what, what, how dangerous is this team getting ready for the playoffs? I think this team is dangerous as any team. I don't think any playoff team out there would say that they want to face the 49ers or would pick them in a draw. Even when you think about the Green Bay Packers, yes, they have Devontae Adams and they have Aaron Rodgers. They have a good running game. Defense is playing well, but the 49ers had them beat. Um, they left a little too much time on the clock earlier in the season. Uh, they came back to the field goal and beat the 49ers. Um, in the playoffs, is anybody's day. Um, it's who's the, the most locked in. It's who's the most physical. It's who stays healthy on that day. So um, once the 49ers get in, anything can happen. I think if you had a checklist and you, you, you knew about championship football, the 49ers would check off a lot on there. They have a running game. They have an offensive line that's performing well. Um, they have two backs. They have a tight end that's physical. They can take the top off the defense. He can also run block. They have wide receivers that's getting better. You have Brandon Ayuk who stepped up uh, over the last six weeks. I think he's probably led the team in receiving over that span. You have Debo Samuel who should be somewhere in MVP consideration, in my opinion. A guy who can play running back, who can play wide receiver. He's just labeled as a football player. Get the ball in his hands, good things happen. Individuals don't want to match his physicality and what he brings to the game. And that's the fear that he puts in defensive backs. When you look at the defensive side of the ball, if you had a formula for success in the playoffs, you would say, we need a defensive line that can get pressure with the front four. We need to be able to play zone coverage so that you can't take deep shots on us. We need a well-tackling defense. We need a defense that's good in the red zone. We need a defense that gets takeaways. The 49ers check all of those boxes off. So when it comes to the playoff football, a team that can travel on the road, that can pack the running game, that can have a good, solid special team, get turnovers, that's a dangerous team. And the 49ers have that. Oh, and they also have Kyle Shanahan a guy who has different variations in his pass game that looks like the run game, RPO games. He takes advantage of individuals on the defense side of the ball that aren't disciplined, that aren't locked in on their keys. And there's many of those around the league, even when you get in the playoffs. So it's a dangerous team. I think the 49ers check off a lot of those boxes. Dante, great stuff, man. Uh, awesome breakdown and analysis. Love the opinions. And uh, we, we look forward to talking in the near future. Thanks so much for being our guest on Fox Sports Radio. All right. Thank you, Doug. Happy New Year. Same to you, Dante Whitner. Great player, good analyst, very good analyst, 
and a guy who, I mean, these teams that we're talking about, he's played for, analyzed them, and really good stuff. He works for NBC Sports Bay Area, by the way. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. All right, this is a perfect time for me to tell you that the NFL's overtime rules are an abject disaster. Okay? And I don't mean they're an abject disaster uh, because the Chargers lost. I just, I like things that make sense. Right? I like things that make sense. And if anything, last night made sense because the Raiders had more points than the Chargers when the clock expired. And if that's the case, I am cool with it. Unfortunately, that's not actually the rules of overtime. Right? It's not the rules of overtime. Because if it were the rules of overtime where the Chargers would get the ball back, then they would have called some timeouts. Right? Then they would have called some timeouts. So, look, here's, here's the problem with the NFL's overtime. And look, college football overtime rules suck even worse. Right? <laughs> The, the NFL's overtime policy is basically the Brandon Staley policy, which is three points don't matter unless they do, right? Because you can't win the game if you drive down like the Raiders did and kick a field goal. You have to score a touchdown unless you kick a field goal and hold them to a field goal or you don't score and then the Chargers kick a, kick a field goal, right? There's just an inequity with, uh, are we playing sudden death? Yes. No, maybe. What do you mean there's, there's no sudden death? There is sudden death. If you score a touchdown, you die. If you kick a field goal, you don't die. If you don't score, or if you kick a field goal and they score a touchdown, then you die. Got it? Good. Doesn't make any sense. It's pretty easy. Put 10 minutes on the clock, have them play. Or do sudden death. Trying to do, one of the, trying to do both at the same time doesn't work. Stug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Rich Ornberger joins us, former NFL lineman, co-host of Fox Football Sunday with Steve Hartman, 1 to 5 Eastern, each Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Um, Rich, when I say Raiders, Chargers, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Um, I, I really skew more positive in general in life, and I just think of resilience. Like, I think of the whole path that the Raiders walked to get to where they are today and I, I mean it's just it's absurd how much adversity they faced and stared down with the interim head coach Rich Basaccia and you know and Gruden and the way his resignation was handled and and you know his fall from grace and then you know what happened with Ruggs that tragedy that that uh, DUI where he allegedly killed somebody I mean Damon Arnett you know, that, that sort of got swept under the rug because, you know, of all the other craziness, he, uh, he lost his job as a, first, a former first-rounder with the Raiders yeah. uh, because of the, the brandishing of weapons on social media or whatever it was. I mean, it, it was a topsy-turvy season off the field for the Raiders. And then on the field, it sort of matched it. You know, they were inconsistent. They fought through a lot of injury, like all teams, COVID situations, and they found their way to the postseason, and a lot of credit to them. Uh, okay, let, let's start with Brandon Staley's decision. Have, have you ever seen that, where you go for it, um, 
and it's not the fourth quarter. You're not trailing by, you know, three touchdowns. Like, this is – but in the first half, fourth and two, the, the play call was awful. But, again, I, it more process than result. Can, can you defend Brandon Staley in any way's decision to go for it that deep in his own territory? No, no. And, and the, the unfortunate reality is none of his players can either. And, that, and that's the thing he needs to be cautious of. Is look, you know, my dad used to have a saying when we were growing up, you know, you got to look at the trust you build with people as almost like withdrawals from a bank. And you got you to gotta refill, refill the account, you know, in order to take another withdrawal. And, you know, some people have good credit. You know, some people can take a bunch of withdrawals because they built up a ton of trust. And some people, you know, they're, they're looking to, to, to take out IOUs on trust. You know, they're looking to, you know, sort of take those withdrawals without really having enough built up in the bank. And that's where I'm starting to get to be with Brandon Staley as an outsider. I can't even imagine what it feel like after that game because, you know, you go for it on a fourth and two from your own 18-yard line. With a kicker like the Raiders have, you're guaranteeing them three points, and you're trailing by three already. So you're basically saying we're risking going down by a touchdown to get a first down in our own territory? Like, how does that risk-reward proposition pay off in the least bit, you still have 80 yards to go. You know, you, at best, most of most drives that start at the 20 typically end in a field goal. So you're, you're going to trade in trailing by a touchdown so, so you can tie the ball game on your own side of the field or worse, right? I say go down a touchdown. It could have been worse than that. It could have been two scores if the Raiders converted a touchdown on the turnover on downs, which they didn't. Which, I mean, you know, credit to the Chargers defense who played poorly all game, but on that drive they were able to limit the damage. But, yeah, in, in terms of just process and not results, that was, that was overthinking at its finest. Uh, okay, um, help me out with the end of the game. Collinsworth seemed to bring in this whole idea that they weren't going He made it seem like the Raiders weren't going to try and kick a field goal to win the game, and Brandon Staley called timeout like, okay, now we're going to try and kick a field goal to win the game, where, I, I, I don't know, I mean, the way kind of we all saw it was they were going to run the football and then kick the field goal. They just got a better field goal opportunity, make or miss, from 47 as opposed to 57. Where, where are you on the, the timeout with 38 seconds to go? I feel similarly to Collinsworth. When I was watching that game, I was shocked that the Chargers – I was confused. I'll start there. Like, when when the stoppage occurred, I was like, oh, I wonder what happened. Like, I would sooner think, like, oh, I wonder if a streaker's on the field than the Chargers took a timeout. <laughs> like, it, 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 I mean, it baffled me, too, because if you read the body language of the offensive players on the, on the field, like, if you go back and rewatch the clip, the Raiders weren't in any sort of urgency or hustling to get that playoff. Obviously, they're, they're kind of standing on the field flat-footed, looking at the play clock, waiting for it to get down. And it just sort of felt like Josh Jacobs was going to take the final handoff and either slide. You know, again, this is my opinion. This is pure conjecture. Um, you know, and nobody on the Raiders' side really admitted this much. I mean, but, but or potentially, I mean, could we have seen Derek Carr catch the snap and take a knee? I mean, potentially, but he, but he, was, in the, he was in the shotgun. He was in the shotgun. 
No, no, I understand that. If you're going to take a knee, you take a knee under center. I completely, I completely understand everything you said. I do think they would have ran a play. I do think they would have handed off to Jacobs. It would have been a very conservative inside zone, you know, some sort of right. run up the middle. You know, and I think honestly, they would have been satisfied letting the clock tick down because the the problem with calling a timeout there is to the Raiders. What it indicates is if is if is the is the Chargers are trying to force you to kick the field goal so that they get the ball back. And they get an opportunity to try to win it, you know, by throwing a deep shot downfield and kicking a field goal of their own. So, but if they were if they were going to try and get the football back on first down when they when they held them to one yard, they would have called timeout right there. They just, I mean, like, look, even Brandon Staley said, like, they just they put in their best defensive lineman who wasn't in the game, and they took out uh, K- Kenneth Murray. Which again, I don't know why you wouldn't put them both in the game, right? Murray's their middle linebacker, and yeah, but but they didn't, right? They wanted by Brandon Staley's own estimation, the the Raiders were in eleven, and they wanted their best eleven personnel as far as stopping the run. Yeah, I, I just I, I I why would the Raiders why would the Raiders not at least try a fifty-seven yard field goal at home, um, where you where you're in a dome for a chance to win it against their arch rival? Why why would they not try to win the game? I, I understand where you're coming from. I I I don't doubt I don't doubt that they may have tried to kick a 57 yarder, you know, like because they had they had the ability to get that clock all the way down, and then stop it with a timeout like you saw them do anyways. Like there, there's there's a, a pretty heavy potential there. I I I guess I guess the point I'm trying to make is the, it, it sort of felt like. The way Rich Basaccia, especially post-game, the way he described it, it didn't sound like they were all that enthusiastic about trying the field goal. And okay, let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me play it for you. Yeah. Let me play it for you. I, I have it real, real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah, but oh, let's oh. hear it again. Let's hear it okay, again. Here, here's Rich Basaccia after the game. You have decided to just play for the tie and not try a field goal. You know, we had conversations about it the whole, you know, towards that end there. But if you remember, we ran the ball early. They didn't call a timeout. So we thought probably they're doing the same thing. So we thought if we could have a run in there that probably possibly could get us in field goal position to win it, we were going to do that. And that's what we did. So would you have punted if if you hadn't got that big run? I don't know. Didn't happen. (laughs) Well, but I don't don't even understand why you follow up with a punt. They're not going to punt. Like why, why, no, no, why, no. That, 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 that follow-up question was one that didn't make sense. It was, if you got stopped, would you have tried a 57-yard field goal or would you have taken a knee? Which I don't know any, why anyone would have taken a knee on a 57-yard field goal, right? It's the NFL. They don't get blocked and run back like, like they do in college. 57-yard field goal is in a dome is well within, yeah. well within the range. Matter of fact, kickers make like 47% of them in the NFL. So that, that was... I mean, I, I, I didn't hear what you heard. Tell me what you heard when you, when you listened to Passaccia. Well, it's interesting because he says it's something we were talking about on the sideline. He said, and then when they called the timeout, it changed our thought process, and we got the big run, so we kicked the field goal. It just, it just sort of felt, again, like you, when you kick a field goal from 57, you got to kick it at a lower trajectory. There is a chance that that field goal gets blocked and that turns into a return for touchdown. You know, and as a special teams coordinator, Rich Passaccia has seen that happen many times. I mean, that's all this guy does. He sits in his office and he tries to team up different ways to get kickers in trouble, right? So that's the, look, that's the risk. I'm not saying it's a high risk, 
But when you attempt, you know, something nearing a 60-yard kick, you know, you're, you're throwing some caution to the wind. Now, I agree with you. I don't think, you know, Carlson would have left it short and we would have seen a returner two yards from the end line take it 108 yards to the house. But could I see Carlson get blocked there? Yeah, potentially. And then that's a big problem if there's a scoop and score because you lose that game on that play. You know, so there was a high likelihood that Rich Basaccia, if he didn't get within comfortable kicking range, where he would have just let time expire and both the Chargers and the Raiders would have went to the playoffs. And that is, that is where the timeout really comes back to bite Staley. Is yes, you're absolutely right. And I agree with the thought process of you always, if you have an opportunity in a got to have a moment, you always want your best defense on the field. But you also have to understand the entire situation. And I don't think he has the experience to, to analyze the entire situation yet. He's a rookie and he's got a lot to learn. And I think this experience will inform future decision making. That's what you hope. Uh, last thing, um, what what happened? Uh, what happened to the Rams? Rams had a chance to keep the Niners out of the playoffs, and um, like because of the Raiders Chargers games taking up all the oxygen, no one's pointing out the Rams collapse. What happened? Yeah. I mean that was that was just they got very conservative. You know, and, and here's here's my take on the whole situation. Didn't you trade, you know, first-round capital to bring in Matthew Stafford and, and you shipped off Goff so that you, you don't have to play conservative anymore, so you don't have to sort of work your way around your quarterback situation? I, it, just, it just felt like Sean McVay was playing a little scared. And now, again, maybe he understands the situation. Look, you know, especially with scoreboard watching being what it was and the Seattle Seahawks taking care of business against the Cardinals. Maybe he knew that the West was won and, uh, or felt comfortable in that. And so maybe that's the reason why he kind of turtled up there in the fourth quarter in overtime. But I don't know, man, I, I didn't, I didn't love the play calling and that's what he's in charge of on that sideline. And, um, and, and then the other side of it, and we've been talking about this all season, Doug, is that run game. If, if they can't establish the run, especially early in a game, and the 49ers twice now this season have absolutely dominated them in the run game. I and mean, that's a big physical team on defense, and they handled the Rams offensively on the ground. It, it really puts the ball in Stafford's hand to go and win. And the more evidence we have, I don't know if he's that guy. Yeah. I was willing to make the excuse that in Detroit he didn't have a lot of help. Yeah. But he's got plenty of help in L.A., and it's week 18, you know, it's time, you know, so he's, there's going to be a lot to prove in the postseason for the Rams and especially for Matthew Stafford. Rich Ornberger, former NFL lineman, co-host of Fox Football Sunday with Steve Hartman, 1 to 5 Eastern on Sunday, every Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Rich, uh, great job this weekend. I was listening. You guys are awesome and uh, really appreciate you joining us on Fox Sports Radio. Always, Doug. Thanks for having me.